Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. to the engineering show i'm mr pold i'm saint jimmy i'm dvd i'm master zed our fake sponsor this week is macaroni and chi upgrade your dinner with this ancient chinese secret mm. i love it's good with and tempura. Tempura. Dinner. Oh, i love powdered chi it's really good <laughs> <laughs> just don't eat goat chi you could replace powder chi with, with uh, like put in the thing that says tang and have some fun. <laughs> I think that was invented when Marco Polo was there. We could do the other way, put tang in your macaroni. I think that sounds legitimate. We have like a two pound bag of cheese powder. <laughs> a lot of cheese powder. <laughs> yeah, we use it for backpacking. We'll put uh, it with grits instant grits and bacon it's I heard times if you sprinkle it in your shoes it keeps you from getting blisters i heard sometimes you put it on uh, packing peanuts and have your own homemade cheetos oh yeah it's <laughs> a good idea Fitos. <laughs> oh Fitos. are you coming up with another fake sponsor oh, i'm just kidding <laughs> It's never too Wait, early, right? Fake? <laughs> well, there was that one time I made all of them into real things. So then they yeah. weren't fake anymore. I can that see was the spreadsheet like eight right now. years ago, I think. Or seven <laughs> years ago, eight years ago. ago. Yeah. I've still got the ninja on the cabinet. The Mama Bird Food Company one looks more and more like Mama Bird Food. Oh. <laughs> Back there. Now with botulism. <laughs> I don't think I'll ever open it, hopefully. Oh, last resort. Yeah, what if it's the apocalypse if and you run out of He's food? ready to off himself. Then you throw it at your person <laughs> attacking you to take him out. You just cover yourself in it and the zombies will think you're one of them. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
attacked by no, baby birds. Stay away from that one. Um, I I completed my longest 3D print so far. How long was it? 42 hours. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Did you have to do hot swaps on your filament? No. Is it a filament printer? It is filament. And that did not polish off the roll. How big wow. of a thing were you making? It was a quarter of the whole of this submarine from a video game that my kids play. And it's oh. probably seven inches tall. Wow. Did you use yellow filament? No, it was white. <laughs> oh, it's, it's not a yellow Missed submarine. Opportunity. Not a yellow submarine. <laughs> it didn't it mess up was... right at the end? Nope. That's what happened with my longest print. I was printing a TARDIS pencil holder mm. and something got bumped in the last several hours of the print and the top was messed up. Yeah, I use a lot of masking tape. Ah. So I print with a brim and as soon as it's done with the brim, I tape the brim down, which is just one layer mm-hmm. uh, that surrounds your print. So I tape that down and then as soon as the print gets up to like a quarter inch tall i'll put some tape on each side so do you then, pause it to do that no i just have nimble hands wow and then once it gets even taller like maybe two inches then i'll put tape going up each side just to make sure it doesn't come loose because that sucks yeah what i had to do was just reprint the top and then glue it on mm, yeah that's smart have you seen the YouTube channel Stuff Made Here? Yeah. Yes. That guy's shop is insane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he had worked for Form Labs making designing 3D printers. Mm-hmm. And so he has a couple really awesome ones. He has the I don't know what it's called, what type it is, but it has like a powder. And then it draws it with a laser, and, Ooh, it runs, a, and then it comes up. A so laser sintering printer. Yeah. Is it a metal so, powder? I don't know. Oh. It was gray. <laughs> oh, so it wasn't cheese powder? But the whole thing, it just comes up as like a big block, and then he kind of like is has to, you have to kind of be an archaeologist with get brushes and <laughs> break it apart and brush off yeah. the powder that sounds cool so uh i emptied out the subaru of all the stuff that was in it <laughs> um and i filled three industrial size black like heavy mill garbage bags of stuff and i put gloves on and then i had dollar store tongs that i was grabbing <laughs> stuff with and putting it in the bag um, we are keeping a couple items. There was a really sturdy, nice backpack. It's almost like military oh. grade black backpack that had, had hardly anything in it. Um, so I think we're going to run that through the washing machine a couple times and keep that. Um, and in the car, we found the means to remove catalytic converters. Oh, like an angle grinder metal disc or, you know, Cut off. Yeah. That was um, written on it, said booster, so they named it. 
Oh, uh, wow. Gosh. It was a crappy Walmart, like, battery-powered one, so I just threw that away with everything else. But I did keep, there was about 10 metal cutoff discs. Oh, nice. Four-inch diameter, so I kept those. Um, that's pretty much it. There was, like, three or three or four duffel bags full of clothes. There's several makeup bags. Uh, we found a journal with only one page entry. It's like one of those like improve yourself journals. <laughs> and it was written by a woman that was hoping to get her kids back soon. Mm. And uh, we found mm. a empty bottle of methadone. Oh. Um, one needle that had a safety cap on it. So that got thrown away. Um, bunches of clothes. And they look pretty nice clothes, but I just threw them all away. Yeah. Uh, lots of garbage. It was gross. And then the last thing to go in the last garbage bag was the tongs. <laughs> They're done. Smart. So then we got rid of the bags. And then uh, St. Jimmy came over on Saturday. It was funny. I was actually thinking about calling him. And we just got home after trying to visit um, Mr. Pold. But I think they were golfing. Yes, we did golf. Saturday we just pulled the driveway and St. Jimmy called. And he came over to help me work on the Subaru. So we figured out some of the switches and wires and stuff. They wired the brake lights so they can turn them off. Mm, oh. Helps so get to car. evade cops. Yep. Um, they had a switch just wired to the windshield wipers. So you could run them without the key on. Right. I guess. Right, and then they um, living in oh, the car, maybe. Right, they re- or, yeah, re- the... the driver lock button, the lock unlock, to outside of the car. That's what that exterior button was. Um, which, when it was attached to a battery that worked, it would unlock and lock the car doors. Um, so you need a battery as well to use it? So the battery, we tried charging it up. Um, we hooked it up to my car Oh, first. the car battery. The yeah, car battery. battery. Okay. I, I thought they got. Hurts, I got they got tricky it, and needed a like a oh, nine volt or something. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, as soon as we hooked it up to the jumper cables, uh, the liquid from the battery started coming out. Oh. Yeah, the battery was toast. And it went, I thought probably why they abandoned it. Broken. Because it wouldn't register anything, at all, <laughs> even with a charger on it. They probably fried it with doing all this stupid yeah. like stuff yeah i have a theory about that as well that i'll talk about a little bit later uh i guess i can talk about well so then we swapped because my car wasn't strong enough to jump it we thought maybe but it still wouldn't hold a charge so then we'd swap the battery out of the red scion that we just got because it was the same battery as the subaru one so we swapped those and then it would crank and i kept on saying hand me the keys and they'd hand me the flathead screwdriver (laughs) um the engine would crank, but it wouldn't start. Um, hmm. So, and th- it might be out of gas. I think my son told me the gas gauge when it got close to empty it was empty. It actually, ran out of gas like a month before it was stolen. Uh, and <laughs> I all I had to keep my, it from getting stolen. Right, just leaving no back gas in it. So That's... it had like a gas can, but it had like barely anything in it, like barely. So I put that in there, and it wouldn't start. So I think it just maybe needs more fuel. Um, it reminds me of when our sister stole my car and then it ran out of ran it out of gas because she didn't know that it was empty as soon as it hit quarter tank. (laughs) You could have you should have removed your like 
gauge cluster like thing that said where empty was. Sounds like too much work. Or just put a piece of tape with a new E line on it. Right. I just so knew that, that it ran out of gas at a quarter. That's all <laughs> I needed to know. We noticed yeah. that the I noticed the ground to the main ground for the battery had tape around the middle, and we grabbed it and it came apart. Uh, it like tight or taped it together was all where um, it was broken in the middle. Um, I need to get some PB blaster on there because the attachment point to the engine, I think it was attached to the engine. Yeah. Anyway, trying to turn it, it was just like bending the piece it took to the middle metal piece. So I need to get that on there. And I've decided I'm just going to remove that ground and buy a new ground wire. Hmm. Just run the ground. Yeah. Because um, I don't want to have to try to solder and then deal with possible problems with that. And that might have been bad for the battery. And that might not keep that might keep it from starting. I don't know. Yeah, if it's not getting a good ground, yeah. it might not be. Because there was a secondary something. small diameter ground that went, that the breaks frame. off from that and goes to the frame. Um, so our plan is if I can get it started, which I think I need to get more fuel. So I'll pay 15 bucks for a gallon of gas <laughs> put it in. and then, uh, I don't want to buy a battery for it necessarily. Maybe put the other battery borrowed back in it for a minute. If I can get to start, then I can spend some money to fix it. Yeah. Um, but if I can't ever get to start or figure out why, then I've already spent like 30 bucks on. We had to buy new jumper cables because we figured out the jumper cables we owned were in the Subaru when it was stolen. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, and I bought a repair manual at Haynes, I think, repair manual for it. Mm-hmm. It was like 30 bucks. So, um, and I, I, so I called the police office or police officer department for a city. And the lady at the <laughs> office said, I know it said that weird. I asked the lady, I told her, I, I, they found this car I had stolen three months ago. They just found it. I want to report that. She's like, okay, to report that, you need to call 911. <laughs> well, Master Zed told you that was their number last week. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I haven't done it yet because I didn't have my phone. You should um, have gotten their name. Do you, when you call this nine one one and get dispatched, be like this specific person from the police department to you. told me to call you. Yeah, I don't know. They like nine one one likes to talk to random people. I call them. Yeah, I'm get in trouble occasionally. for it that's told to. You. In fact, I, when I when I first stolen, I had to look up. Do I call nine one one for a stolen car? And the answer was yes, <laughs> and it was accurate. Hmm. I don't know if they'll send the sheriff out to verify that the car is found. Um, the license plates are gone, so I need to report that, too. Um, anyway, that was... It's still sitting in my driveway. Just taking up space. Mm-hmm. At this point. Oh, we put, like, kitty litter all over the carpets, because there's some unknown yuckiness on the carpets um, to soak up the whatever's there and the smell. Then we took the remainder of the kitty litter that we just bought and we have a plastic bin that we dumped it in and set the plastic bin in the middle of the car, hoping it'll suck up more of the <laughs> yucky smell. smell. Yeah. Did then you catch any cats? I need to probably Febreze yeah. the Make headliner. sure you don't have a open so cats don't use it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Oh, probably one of the first things I need is get the correct window glass for the driver's side front door. Yeah. Um, <laughs> After yeah. you verify that it'll run. Right. Yeah. I don't want to <laughs> yeah. put any money into it otherwise. But with the used car market, putting money into it, if we can get it to run, is a great idea because we can then sell it or use it. Because I think our truck's going to be parked a lot more than it normally is with the price of gas. Mm-hmm. Um, already re-inflated all the tires. Made sure they were a little bit more inflated than normal. Especially with the tire manufacturer's recommendations for the truck. It's set it at 47 in the back and 43 in the front, which is what they recommended mm-hmm. for my particular truck with those particular tires. So with that... Uh... You telling us that you found some paraphernalia for siphoning gas and oh, yeah. hearing about people getting their gas siphoned because of the gas prices rising. I went ahead and bought myself a locking gas cap for my truck. Oh, smart. Because mm-hmm. all of my vehicles, you have to open the door from the... But I guess they once they can bypass those doors pretty easy, right? They just break them. Well, my truck doesn't have oh, those okay. kind of doors. So. Oh, my truck doesn't have one of those doors either, but it also doesn't have a cap. Oh, oh! It's got it the, doesn't yeah, need one. Silly Ford thing. No, you can't. He doesn't need one. It has anti-siphon features. So, so apparently, that. when you buy those, at least the one I buy, it came with two. So, oh. if <laughs> if anybody needs <laughs> or wants a locking well, gas cap and it fits two. your vehicle, then you can have it. <laughs> some vehicles, especially trucks, have two tanks. So yes, well, my old 1980 Chevy has two tanks, but I already have locking, locking gas caps on there. Plus, it's been sitting there so long that any gas that you got out of there, I don't know <laughs> how good it would be. <laughs> right. So that's a Subaru update. Oh, and then I was going to mention at work last week, um, I have our office 3D modeled, our cubicle walls and desks and things. <laughs> of course I do. Um, and my friend that shares the cubicle next to me, we've had a super cube where we take down walls between our two cubicles to make a united cubicle. Mm-hmm. Well, we had an idea where next to my cubicle, to let's say you're looking away from the window, on the left side, there was a hallway between my cubicle and a garage door that is padlocked and has never been opened in the nine years I've been in that building. <laughs> uh, the elevator has a door on the other side that, that is used. So we had to contact the building manager to make sure we could block off that door. He said, as long as you don't put a brick wall or something. So then we put like, like, oh, wood my framed. cubicle. Huh? It's wood framed. Yeah. <laughs> so we moved the cubicle wall on my cubicle over right next to that door, which opened up my cubicle, made it about four feet wider. Wow. Um, and then took my friend's stand-up desk. We both have stand-up desks and moved him into that spot. So now we're next to each other both facing away from the window. And now we took the area that was his cubicle that's now kind of a big open space with our cubicles or where we're just, our desks are and made it into our own little conference area. Um, Pretty soon they're going to start invading neighboring cubicles to <laughs> get, take their <laughs> Well, it's space. really annoying because everyone, I can tell people are jealous because now we have this awesome like open concept cubicle thing with like extra space. Um. It opened it up a lot. It's a lot more light, and it's 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 really nice. But then, like people keep on coming up, and like, well, we could turn this into like a, a our branch <laughs> like 
break room. I was like, no, this is still our cubicle. <laughs> Go away. Or you can't take my cubicle just because I made it bigger. Oh, they could move another person in here. I was like, why? It's still our. No, <laughs> not happening. Uh, my boss is very patient with us. He, we're <laughs> constantly going to his office together, and he's like, oh, great, here they come. Like That's stepbrothers. But we're the two highest output employees he has, so. Well, that should feel a little bit of eccentric. Garner you some leeway. Probably because that big old cubicle you guys have. Yeah. Look, you used to call it Super Cube, and we have like a little hand signal we do to each other. <laughs> Super Cube. And uh, obligatory noise when you're doing the, the little hand signal. And then uh, it was called Super Cube, but now I think we I started calling it Super or Cubicus Maximus because <laughs> we've stepped it up. And I said, next step, when we expand again, we're going to put Roman numerals. <laughs> Are you That's sure this can... shouldn't go in nerd cred? <laughs> <laughs> I guess you can go into regret. So you can do with your extra space in there is how to have a gladiator pit. <laughs> we, had a, we had a printout of my model of, of our new orientation and labeled exhibit alpha. And then we actually wrote out alpha. And then we took it to my boss and presented it to him. And then it was lots of people pick it up. Like they didn't quite get it. That's how I could tell if people had zero, zero uh, 3D spatial awareness. Because mm. like look at a 3D drawing and figure out what it was. Oh, which way is... I even labeled north. And you can tell some <laughs> people what the north was, which is funny. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like I uh, am reaching old age now. <laughs> I can join in on the random things. I went to a podiatrist. Mm. I've had a pain in my foot for like a month and a half. And You're I finally me. I've never been to a podiatrist. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, well, yeah. So usually I give a weird pain, you know, like a week or two. Right. But this one, there was no specific injury. And it didn't seem, it was kind of like, it only hurt sometimes if I rotated my, if I like point my toes in, like rotate my foot. It would hurt. You're right. You are old. That's what that means. Yeah. <laughs> and then I found if I push on my ankle, the side of my foot would hurt. Some people say that <laughs> maybe you just don't do that. And then. Well. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, it's kind of annoying just because it would hurt randomly. Be like a sharp pain randomly. So I went to the doctor and the she was really nice. And I kind of explained a bunch of random things about that I couldn't figure out why it was hurting. And she was like, well, what kind of job do you have? And I said, I was an engineer. She's like, okay, so you sit down all day. I'm like, yeah. She's like, and do you work from home? And I was like, yeah. Okay. How long have you been doing that? Two years. So that's not new, <laughs> <laughs> but her, Diagnosis was that I need to wear shoes more. Mm. Interesting. Rugby didn't come to it at all. Well, I haven't played rugby in. Two, well, I've only played once in two years. That's true. Um, and when I did play, it didn't hurt at all. And he wore <laughs> shoes. And I was wearing shoes. And he wore shoes, cleats usually. But then she uh, was like. Well, the problem is the spot that needs more support is the outside of your foot. And every 
uh, orthopedic, they're supporting the inside of your foot. And so she had me stand on like a generic orthopedic that was supposed to help align stuff better. Just and saying I was like, orthopedic makes you older. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, uh, this makes my knee hurt. <laughs> Just standing on this, not even doing anything. And she was like, you're falling apart. And then she had me do the same, you know, rotation that caused the pain with the orthopedic and it still hurt. I was like, it still hurts and my knee hurts now. She's like, okay, well, that's not going to work. <laughs> so she told me to buy uh, Chaco sandals. They're like the old school, like 80s. Are they made of chocolate? Uh, I don't think so. I haven't gotten oh. them yet. Okay. They're, they like are old school sandals, but she said that the way they have the support, like arch support, it runs all the way across the foot. So it supports the outside of your foot. Oh. And so I ordered some. Um, but she also just was like trying to manipulate my feet and, um, evidently I'm, she was using peer pressure on them. Highly in <laughs> this other foot doesn't have this problem. <laughs> well, the one that is hurting, I also have a click in the internal between two of the bones in my foot. That's not good, I guess. Mm. So yeah, that, that happens a lot with clicks. Peer yeah, pressure, yeah. Pressure, peer pressure. <laughs> you don't want seismic activity in your foot. <laughs> your plates are rubbing together. Yeah. So I'm wearing shoes now. I'm like the one with my family that wears shoes around the house. I don't know what rest of my family like takes their shoes off all the time. Well, have you felt your carpet upstairs? It's really nice. <laughs> <laughs> It calls for taking your shoes off. So is our storage room. Our storage room also has really nice carpet. <laughs> <laughs> Leftovers. So I ended up doing a really easy car repair this week with some help from DVD. <laughs> um, so my uh, little pulled's uh, car started making a thumping noise. And the check engine light came on. Oh, not good. So we took it to AutoZone and had them do the OBD tester thing. Mm -hmm. And it came back with a couple codes. And one of them said something about a cylinder not firing. Oh, usually makes it not run good. (laughs) Yeah. Especially the like 3 We were on the phone with my son, who's usually our mechanic until he moved away. Uh, but he's t- saying just probably need to just change the spark plugs. So I'm like, okay. So I ordered some and they're really easy cause they're right on the front of the engine. Mm-hmm. Um, there's four of them. Oh, and so so, pretty... huh? so it wasn't a three banger. No. <laughs> it was for so, a while. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I called Davidi to see if he had a longer socket that I could get the spark plugs out with and he brought some sockets over but didn't have the right size mm. so i ran to AutoZone and picked one up real quick um and he also lent me his torque wrench which was mm. nice um so i got him out and the fourth one i pulled out i could definitely tell something was wrong with it because the little uh, hook at the top yeah was all white 
Oh, and there is yeah. material missing. <laughs> mm. That's not um, good. Yeah, so... It's like an overheated plug, I think. I put it all back together. Um, had little pulled start it. And no more check engine light. Nice. Good. So, and no more loud bang or clanking. No more noise. thumping noise, right? <laughs> I always used to suspect my speakers when that happens in my car. <laughs> Yeah, so I was, even though it required, you know, a visit from DVD and a couple phone calls. <laughs> um, got it done pretty easily. Oh, good. Oh, we also played golf on Saturday. Mm. Um, I didn't do real well, but I still had fun. <laughs> well, that's what's important. I had a couple uh, bogeys, single bogeys. The rest were multiple. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like uh, my golf game. Yeah, I ended up with... So this is like a three-part course, you know. I ended up with like 120-something points. So just a little bit more than my average, I think, but... <laughs> the fact he called points is funny. Whatever they're called. <laughs> they're yeah, called I, wasn't a, I wasn't a golfer till I got married to my wife, and she likes golf, so... I'm planning on going in a couple of weeks. We're going to go on this coming Monday, but now apparently it's supposed to drop an inch of rain on us in one oh. day. On that day, I was like, that'd make an interesting golf trip. Oh. Bring your canoe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just built a, I fixed my canoe. Well, I made a new canoe rack out of the pieces of my old boat rack that failed and collapsed. I found some little clips you can screw little two by fours in to make your own sawhorse. So I just did that. With little 15-inch stubby legs. So I figured the canoe doesn't need to be that high off the ground. It just needs to be off the ground. Yeah. Yeah, you I don't want it to float away. I need to make a kayak rack. Because I don't think we're going to have room in our new house garage for our kayaks. I need to make kayak. the rack. I need to make a rack for my yaks and news. Yak racks? I have so many racks, I need a rack for them. <laughs> <laughs> a rack rack? Mm-hmm. Well, it rained so the other day that the canoe was just sitting there upright. It filled the canoe full of water. Wow. <laughs> From rainwater. I was like, that's wow. not cool. <laughs> so when we bought our house in Nampa, um, one of the windows upstairs, you could push on it lightly and it would move like half an inch <laughs> and then the a couple of the panes the seal was failed so it was foggy inside um so we asked as part of the buying it we asked for them to replace the window and they agreed to it but because we had such a short close on the house they just prepaid for the window to be replaced Um, because they the people had to order it in and so uh it took a few weeks to get it scheduled but they were supposed to install it this last tuesday and at like 2 p.m so we're like well we'll just meet them there and then we'll just stay at the house and work on the house painting into the evening well they were very punctual which was great they actually beat us to the house they were like 10 minutes early and went up and 
um, pulled the sliding part half of the window, just lifted it out and took it down to their truck. And we're kind of like, Charlie and I were like, I don't think that was the side that needs replaced. Uh, (laughs) The guys come back in and we're like, yeah, um, are you, you only are you replacing both sides? And they're like, no, it was just one side. And we're like, okay, what's the other side that needs replaced? And he's like, okay, well, that's not a big issue because we got the wrong glass anyway. We need to go measure it. (laughs) Oh man. And so they went and the it's got like the white internal pane divide. I think it's you know one pane, but it's got like the white whatever Mm -hmm. spiders inside. The glass they got had the wrong number of panes, like the wrong number of divisions, and it was the wrong size glass. Mm. And so they started taking measurements and they, one guy pulled up on his phone, the order sheet that they, from when they sent somebody out before to measure it. He's like, these measurements are right. Everything on the paperwork (laughs) is right. They just got the wrong glass that we waited a month for. (laughs) Nice. And they're like, well, I guess we'll order a new one. I was like, and I was like, okay, well, really, the, we didn't care about the foggy glass that much. It's that I'm worried this is going to fall out onto our car in the driveway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're like, well, don't oh. park under it. No. <laughs> they're like, oh, well, these are the original windows. So the way that they're attached, we can't get to it. But we could just add some screws through the window frame into the, you know, framing around the window. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. So he put a couple screws in and the window's solid now. I'm like, oh, that, that's easy. I would have just done that. If that's all <laughs> I knew you were going to do. <laughs> but then we spent, so they were out of there by like 2.15. And then we were there till mm-hmm. 8.45 painting. Mm-hmm. But I got all of this. We finished the ceilings. We painted all the ceilings in the whole house. And then we finally got, a lot we of got work. the master bathroom, took two coats because it was like brown. It was awful. Um, it started off white, but and you should have washed it first. Did <laughs> <laughs> you replace the toilet? Because that, maybe that's why it was brown. <laughs> no. I, there, the walls were like, not in the bathroom. Well, just in general, the whole house, like the walls are, they had six kids in that house. So everything's just kind of got a patina oh we know how that is right so we uh got the bedroom the walk-in closet and the master bath and the laundry room are done and then i have all the ceilings but uh the area above the stairs (laughs) was interesting um i had to have a eight foot ladder but that's not very useful on stairs yeah and so i ended up standing on the top of the railing and putting my hand on one side of the wall and reaching out because <laughs> I just need to get the hand to paint the edges. And then the rest, you know, I did with a roller mm-hmm. on a broom handle, but um, I didn't tell Charlie how I painted that part of it <laughs> until afterwards because I needed her help. Cause I had a ladder sitting on top of another ladder. Like a, a closet in the middle of the stairs so there's like a ceiling space 
kind of in the middle of the stairwell. Mm-hmm. And I put a ladder on that and leaned it against one of the walls. And I was like, I don't like the angle <laughs> this is at. So I had, it's like, Charlie, can you hold this ladder while I go up to paint? And she's like, why don't you hold the ladder? Because I weigh a lot less than you. <laughs> I <don't wanna> <laughs> paint it. That's a good woman right there. And then, yeah, then, um, so she finished. I could only not reach, like, two feet. Mm. <laughs> but it's coming together. Nice. We're moving in two weeks. Cool. A little over two weeks, I guess. This week, we're going to review the life and times of Mr. Gene Roddenberry, the creator of Star Trek. Yeah, the reason I thought of this um, topic was we were watching, I was watching a show with my wife and Little Pold, and we noticed after the first episode that some of the actors didn't come back, (laughs) like they were only in the pilot. And so I was telling them about, you know, how Star Trek had two pilots. And so we watched a video that kind of talked a little bit about Gene Roddenberry in it as well. And I'm like, oh, that guy seems pretty interesting. So mm-hmm. thought we'd talk about him. Yeah, uh, there was a lot of stuff I didn't know. Yeah, most of the notes I took are actually before Star Trek. <laughs> yeah. But uh, he was born in 1921 in El Paso. Mm-hmm. And uh, his family moved to Los Angeles when he was two years old, so his dad could work as a police officer there. Um, he actually majored in police science at L.A. City College, um, but he was also interested in aeronautical engineering and got a pilot's license with the Army Air Corps. And uh, after the Pearl Harbor attack, like less than two weeks later, he... Uh, enlisted in the Army Air Corps, which I don't think they had the Air Force back then. It was just a part of the Army. And uh, he married his girlfriend then um, the next summer and then was commissioned as a lieutenant, a second lieutenant in the Army Air Corps and was posted in Oahu. And he flew the B-17 Flying Fortress. It's a bomber. And he did a total of 89 combat missions in World War II. Wow. 
Um, While, or the the last one of those, <laughs> he was landing in Vanuatu, which is an island out in the Pacific, and uh, missed the runway end of the runway by like five hundred feet and crashed the bomber. Um, he survived, of course. <laughs> Um, But after that, he spent the rest of the war in the U.S. um, as a plane crash investigator. Mm. And while he was doing that, um, the one of the planes he was in crashed. He wasn't flying at that time. (laughs) Did he let Deanna Troy fly it? (laughs) That's what I was going to (laughs) say. And then after that, after the war, he worked for Pan American as a pilot, and he mostly flew the New York to South Africa or India uh, route, which were the two longest routes that they did back then. And in 1947, he crashed one of those in the Syrian (laughs) desert. (laughs) (laughs) So, so far, you know, Deanna Troy crashed two starships. So Runbury crashed three airplanes. Well, I guess he didn't crash the one he was in a crash. So anyway, (laughs) Uh, a year after that, he uh, resigned and got a job with the L.A. Police Department. Yeah. And he started He started as a traffic cop. For like Three six, crashes involved, though. Um, but eventually he went into like the uh, public affairs department of the police office, uh, the police station, and became the speechwriter for the chief of police. And... Uh, he also started, uh, well, I think it started with him being a technical advisor for a TV show called Mr. District Attorney. Mm. And uh, then he wrote some scripts for that show. And then he also sold some scripts for a show called Highway Patrol. And one called I Led Three Lives. And before long, he was making more money writing scripts than he was as a police officer. (laughs) So he resigned as a police officer in 1956 and uh, just started writing a lot of scripts and submitting a lot of show ideas that most of them got shot down. Um, (laughs) Most of them crash landed. (laughs) Yeah, most of them crashed. (laughs) (laughs) yeah and then uh, he finally got a show that was greenlit called The Lieutenant yeah 1963 it was about a marine lieutenant and it lasted for about a year I guess it had pretty good reviews and some good ratings yeah and the interesting thing about that is that's where he met a lot of the Star Trek actors yeah actors that would go on to be in Star Trek like Leonard Nimoy Nichelle Nichols, Walter Koenig, and his future wife, Majel Barrett. Yeah, in fact, um, so he had been having an affair with Majel Barrett by the time Star Trek was getting off the air, or getting off the ground. And he cast her as the first officer in the first pilot that they mm-hmm. had. And... Uh, she well, actually like he was in a relationship with Nichelle Nichols as well at the same time. <laughs> yes. So he he believed in open relationships. And uh, that Nichelle Nichols broke it off because she didn't think that was fair for Michelle Barrett. So. Yeah. 
<laughs> but um, yeah, Michelle Barrett was actually the one that suggested Leonard Nimoy because um, they had both they were both guest stars in an episode of Lieutenant together, mm-hmm. and she when she was telling him about Nimoy, he remembered him like, oh yeah, he'd make a perfect alien. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, so he pitched Star Trek to MGM and then Desilu where they, they hired him as a producer and uh, he tried to shop the show to CBS, but they turned it down. Um, I think they only met with him because they were making their own science fiction show at the time, Lost in Space. Mm. And we're curious in what he his ideas were, um, but he ended up um, pitching it to NB, NBC as a like wagon train in space type <laughs> type thing, and they picked it up and ran with it. Um, I guess the first pilot that they shot um, didn't fare well with test audiences, so they let him do another pilot, and that one finally got accepted. So. It's interesting that some of the ideas he had for shows before Star Trek had some of the kind of same ideas that were brought to Star Trek. Because mm-hmm. there was one show he pitched that was about um, this crew that was on this airship that went around the world and had a multiracial crew and had like a a captain that was, you know, uh, like a strong type of captain and. He'd also done some Western, a lot of Western scripts. So. That was interesting that um, the reason, one of the reasons they didn't like the first pilot was because they didn't think it was believable to have a woman as a first officer. But <laughs> <laughs> um, they also thought that the Spock character was too scary to devil-like <laughs> for audiences. Um, oh, and yeah. So he, so he, you know, wanted to fight for both of those things because he thought both of them were important, but he realized that he was probably only going to get one through and he figured having an alien on, on the ship was integral to the show. It had to have an alien. Yeah. And so he really pushed hard to keep Spock. And so they let him keep him and basically replaced everybody else. And uh, Michelle Barrett got demoted to um, nurse. nurse. (laughs) But she went on to play a part in most Star Trek stuff after that. That's Uh, funny that she was like introduced Nimoy to Roddenberry because in the episodes, she had a thing for Spock. Oh. Right, yeah. yeah. Characters. Apple had something going for Spock, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, he had met Nimoy, but he had forgotten about him until right. she brought him up, because mm-hmm. um, there are two characters in that episode were, you know, basically never seen together, so she got to know him pretty well. Okay. Um, yeah, there's a... <laughs> There's a lot of uh, the first season. He was getting a lot of flack about um, th- from the censors because they were like, it was too risque, um, especially like the Orion slave girls and 
thing they, there was this huge thing about them showing a belly button <laughs> and then he pointed out that he's he pointed out that the next year like laughing came on the air and there's belly buttons everywhere <laughs> <laughs> and so i guess he had another there was another i think it was a, another science fiction pilot that he yeah was putting out and there was an alien woman and so he gave her two belly buttons <laughs> <laughs> he's like i'm gonna get make up for those lost belly buttons <laughs> that's funny so he was the first television writer to get a star on the hollywood Wood walk of fame oh yeah that's, I thought that that's was interesting cool um so he died in 1995 no, 91. Yeah. And they took some of his ashes into space on the space shuttle. So I cool. thought they had... It wasn't the one that crashed, was it? it... Oh. No. Uh, <laughs> well, it, it did eventually crash, but it not was... during this trip. Yeah, so they sent some of his ashes, and then it came back, and then they... Another time they sent more of his ashes on a different spacecraft and then that one burned up in the atmosphere <laughs> just because of it you know wasn't designed to go anywhere whatever its purpose was and then they i guess there was plans for them to send some of his ashes out of orbit mm. um, oh. and they had it, it booked on a on a flight so it but can come back it, as a probe that attacks the Earth? Yes. <laughs> um, but that never left the ground. Never took uh, off, huh? Yeah. <laughs> and that, that one they were planning on having uh, James Dewan's ashes, some of his ashes, and some other people as well. Some people that are even still alive, so I don't know how they're going to yeah. accomplish that. Just <laughs> Cut a finger <laughs> off, turn it into ash. Yeah, that's interesting. We had a living Star Trek person go up. Bill Shatner went up. Yeah, yeah. we talked about that. Pre-Ash. <laughs> um, in some of the background on his leading up to his death, he had multiple strokes. Yeah. Um, and they contributed a lot of his poor health to um, his longstanding use of drugs. Like cocaine and <laughs> meth and <laughs> yeah, uh, amphetamines, cocaine, um, oh. abusing or yeah, taking antidepressants and other things while having diabetes <laughs> and yeah. <laughs> so he lived pretty pretty old for someone with those problems. Yeah. He was born in what, 20? 20, 21. 21. So yeah, 70 so years. He was 70. Yeah. So he made it to 60-ish before he started having a bunch of health problems from all the <laughs> drugs. So if he didn't start till he was 20, then he got 40 good years of drug use in. <laughs> or caught up with him. <laughs> well, I think I read that the cocaine he was using every week since uh 
the motion picture came out, so a good 10 years before he died. <laughs> so, so this guy was crashes, a, you gotta do something to study your nerves. This guy's a party animal, huh? Yeah, yeah, sounds like it. Well, so he's also been seen as a a great visionary for science fiction television. Yeah. Um, just because you know, he was able to tackle some really heavy topics in Star Trek that most shows, you know, can get away with because most shows take place in our actual reality. This mm-hmm. was more of a fantasy science fiction type realm, and so he could get away with that more and, uh, you know, have things talking about the, you know, racial divides and war and, you know, tribbles. Tribbles. <laughs> yeah. You got to be careful of those tribbles. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, they had, um, like, I know George Takei was really impressed, and I'm sure the others were, too, that he wanted a multiracial cast to just mm-hmm. show everybody, hey, we could all work together. And I know Nichelle Nichols felt the same way about that. And um, They even had a Russian. Yeah, well, and so I watched a, this inter- or this biography show about Gene Ronberry, and they had different... Um, people on there interviewing and Michael Dorn pointed out that, you know, he, he did a lot of things with next generation that he felt he made a mistake on in the original series. And one of those things was making the Klingon race, this just barbaric bad people. And he's like, he, he said, Gene felt bad about making an entire race out to be this horrible, you know, evil race and so he wanted to have a Klingon in Starfleet and show that you know there's good people in every race you know so mm-hmm. thought that was interesting yeah um uh what's what what's her name Marina Sirtis oh, talked yep. about how um she felt like she was basically adopted by Jean and Michelle and he um, taught her how to fly. <laughs> yeah, that's, she learned everything she knew about Except flying from Jean. The best drug dealers. Yes. No, she, you know, she figured out the best way to crash different starships. Right. And <laughs> uh, but yeah, I've enjoyed Star Trek. Um, I think it's. I think it's wandered a little bit from Gene's original vision. Um, I started doing that some in, you know, shortly after he passed away. Well, at least he have to, doesn't have to watch it do that, where George Lucas <laughs> has to see what they've done with his creation. Yeah. So, anyway, that's Gene Roddenberry. He had a very interesting life and used a lot of his experiences, you know, as a in the war, as a pilot, as a police officer, um, to write these stories that have, you know, sp- spawned this huge Star Trek empire <laughs> that keeps yeah. cranking out shows, even, you know. Yeah, the second season years, of Picard just came later. out. Yeah. Cool. 
it's a big franchise. Somebody's got consumption. I've got consumption. So do Other, I. Otherwise known as tuberculosis. Oh, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you want to go first? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I watched an interesting movie with uh, Nicolas Cage in it called Kick-Ass. Oh, that's a great movie. And it, basically there's this kind of nerdy teenage kid and he's lives in New York and gets beat up and mugged and stuff. And he's just like, why don't people, why don't more people just become superheroes? You know, like Batman didn't have superpowers. He just went out and, and fought crime. So he orders a costume and goes out to fight crime and ends up meeting some other superheroes. And one of which is Nicholas cage. And they end up going up against this crime boss that, yeah, is pretty good. Um, We watched a series called Station Eleven that was highly recommended by one of the hosts from Stuff You Should Know, Chuck. Said it was like one of his favorite shows and it's post-apocalyptic Earth after this flu virus kills almost everybody Hmm. it was not what i was expecting it was very (laughs) esoteric and it was really just trying to show how people cope with trauma Hmm. but don't don't expect the story to fully explain everything or it's not a comedy no it's definitely not a comedy there's it's, some funny part. I watched the first like four episodes, maybe. Mm-hmm. I thought it was kind of funny. <laughs> it well, there's funny moments, but it's definitely not a comedy. Oh, yeah, that's true. And I found it. It was pretty interesting, but at the end, you're like, "Well, they never explained this or this or this," and it's like <laughs> I just had to tell MJ, like, "Well, the point of it was just to explore." grief and trauma and stuff it wasn't to explain every character's motivations or what why why they even showed this scene you know that they don't explain a lot of stuff but it was pretty weird and we oh i listened to a show a podcast called limetown and i listened to the first season of it it is like a fiction version of serial where it's like a reporter investigating some incident, but it's not real. And the incident is there was this basically a small town that was just built to be a research 
center and all the scientists and their families live there. But something happened and some people died. And so this reporter whose uncle was there and one of the main guys there, she's years later, like trying to find survivors and interview them and stuff. And it was moderately interesting, very well produced. Like they had different voice actors and stuff and Mm. it was fairly well written, but it just kind of, I don't know. It didn't capture my attention that well, (laughs) but I am listening to season two now, which is also fairly interesting, but yeah, it's, uh, it's out there. It's called Limetown because that's the name of the town. It was Mm -hmm. built over some tunnels or something that, they mined lime from or something like that. So yeah, that's that's what I got. All right, cool. So we finished the Man in the High Castle. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was an excellent show. It's uh, very poignant and leaves you a lot to think about. Um, the ending is interesting because it's kind of a vague ending and so you kind of have to fill in the gaps yourself with your own imagination like the gray <laughs> like the what the gray i don't think i saw that it's the liam Deason where he becomes the oh. king of wolves yeah that's yeah. what happens in your ending yep so this one yeah you make up your own ending but <laughs> they lived happily ever after yep you could see it that way if you want um no i i really like that show um yeah if you can get past all the (laughs) the oppressive nazi uh, stuff going on (laughs) i guess um when philip k dick wrote the book he had planned to write a sequel but he uh was so angry about the Nazis that he couldn't do it. He's like, I don't want to think about them anymore. Because <laughs> <laughs> he, he did a lot of research um, to get a lot of the details right. And it's just like the more he researched them, the more he hated them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is totally understandable. That's yeah, why people still use it as a, as a, you know, cudgel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you don't know how to make your point, you just call them a Nazi and, <laughs> just anyway, um, we watched F nine, the fast saga. Yeah, I, I saw that seen... as well. I know I'm the biggest fan that? of the Fast and Furious series, but I'm worried that one of these is going to be a bridge too far, and it's going to ruin it. So, so I haven't seen it yet. I don't know if Where you see heard... it. It's out uh, now. It's on, it's on HBO, or something. HBO Max. Okay, I need to watch it then. So. You've heard of the term hanging a lantern on it? Uh-huh. You know, where they realize something is ridiculous, so they point it out, say, like, right. we know. Yep. <laughs> they do that a couple times. Um, it's, it is, it's basically a cartoon superhero movie. <laughs> See, I think if you watch the first one, and then you watch the F9, yeah. you probably die from the impact. <laughs> that's, that's well, a violent change 
hardly anyone does die from impact though in these movies. Right. <laughs> um, one thing I noticed was if someone's about to hit the ground, all Pareto has to do is make sure there's a car underneath him and then they'll land and not be hurt at all. Well, cars have springs. They're really soft. Yeah, so I turned to my wife and like, so basically cars are pillows, right? (laughs) Have you ever been hit by a car? It's nice. It's lovely. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure that's not true. (laughs) Speaking of a nice nap. (laughs) Um, Anyway, it's... The physics doesn't exist in that universe, but it's fine. Uh, apparently, we couldn't get enough of Vin Diesel, so we watched Riddick. <laughs> <laughs> I like Vin Diesel. Um, have you guys seen Riddick? Yeah. Yes, I, I love that movie. I think I watched it recently. So it's got... Um, what's her face from Battlestar Galactica? Katie Sackhoff. And, yeah, Katie Sackhoff in it. And Vin Diesel. Um. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. <laughs> I mean, it's all right. Was <laughs> that the third one? The, the new last one of the trilogy? Yeah, it's the third okay. one. This, this, is the one where, this is the one where he's been stranded on this planet. And so the first part is him okay. just surviving. And then right. he makes a call out, which, you know, because he's a wanted man. So it brings people there. And right. Yeah, we basically... I think I saw that once. Like he again. usually does, you know, he explains exactly how he's going to kill them. Yep. And they don't believe him. And then he, and he does kills them that way. <laughs> I like yeah. when they do that. It seems like uh, Reacher does that sometimes. Well, he tells everyone up front, this is what's going to happen. You don't want to do this because then this will happen and you don't want there's, that. There's four of us. Yeah. One of you needs to drive the other ones to the hospital. <laughs> that type of thing. <laughs> yeah. And that's my consumption. Awesome. So I just an hour ago or two hours ago uh, bought a new album, music album. Oh. On Amazon called The Brave. And it's this uh, independent rapper named Tom McDonald that I've found. Mm-hmm. Um, he does everything himself other than making the CDs, but he then gets the CDs from his friend that makes them. And he packages them and delivers them all. Or doesn't deliver them himself, but he puts them in the boxes <laughs> and ships them. And he's got over 100 million YouTube views. Well, um, he had a problem, I guess. They had a beef in the rap world with uh, another rapper named, um, I think, Adam Calhoun. And uh, they, he finally figured, I got to figure out what's going on because they were going back and forth a little bit. So he finally tracked down. He's like, I tried getting a hold of lots of his friends to give me Adam's number, but that's he says that says a lot about your friends that none of them would give me your number. <laughs> so I finally figured out a way to call him and called them, and then they ended up, you know, they at first they were like calling each other over the phone, and then pretty soon it turned into like an hour and a half conversation, and then they became friends. <laughs> they decided to do an album together, um, and it, it's awesome. I love it. It's not probably everyone's cup of tea, but it's they're very good rappers. Got a lot of good guest guys on there too. Hmm. Um, so check out the Brave if you would like. You can find a lot of their stu- his stuff on YouTube. You just search Tom McDonald. Um, he has a lot of tattoos. He's Canadian originally. Um, he lived an interesting life. Let's just say that. 
Pona's girlfriend is also a musical artist that does all of his video, like all his music videos. She directs them, and they do everything independently, the two of them. So they have no contracts with anybody in the music industry, um, which causes them some problems. Like his recent thing is trying to begin on the Billboard charts, and the company that collects the data that basically you know, make sure all the data is correct. Doesn't have any process to deal with an independent artist of his ilk. And they don't believe his sale numbers, even though they've got lots of people and evidence. They even gave him access to the back end of their website to show, no, really, this is how much our results are. Like, there's no way you can do that independently. He's like, we are, that's, we work really hard. <laughs> uh, and then, they just on YouTube. They just released uh, or started Hermitcraft season nine. So it's a bunch of YouTube um, Minecraft uh, video producers that make shows that are all together in one server, and it's very funny. I end up watching. A, there's a lot of them, so I've got my favorites that I watch, uh, and it's fun because everyone's first season you can go and watch different perspectives of different things that happen um, and you know they don't include everything that happens so everyone's kind of their own videos together so you can piece together some fun and they have a really good time so check out hermitcraft season nine i think one of my favorites is b double zero he's a really good builder and i also like uh, good times with scar he's a, a guy that in real life is wheelchair bound he's got some issues where he's stuck in a wheelchair and has surgeries and stuff, but he's a, a great producer and great builder. But check out Hermitcraft. Um, and I watched the first couple episodes of a show called Making Fun. Um, there's this guy that is a maker, you know, so he builds interesting, weird things, and eventually quit his job making toys as a toy inventor just to build things himself in his own shop with his friends. Well, the premise of the show is they have little kids come up with things they want him to build. And he had the first part of the show is the groups of kids making pitches to him until he picks one that's actually buildable and then <laughs> he will make it. Like the first episode, he made a giant T-Rex that um, spit out tacos. So, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Which is funny. He's kind of a grouch, too. So he, uh, I don't think he likes kids. <laughs> which is funny. Then usually they've set it up so towards the end of the build that kids get back on and they give him one more like crazy request to add. He's always like, oh, come on. So you get for working for kids. So that's <laughs> on Netflix, I think. Um, it was it was kind of fun, funny. The, his friends that are on there building stuff with him are, are characters. There's one guy that's Canadian that if he speaks his normal Canadian, you can't understand what he's saying. Um, which is interesting. And then I binge watched the second season of Space Force on Monday. I watched all of it. Um, it's really good. It's got Steve Carell. Unlike The Office, it's kind of the same kind of humor where, you know, it's a group of people in a situation where you know everyone's got really quirky personalities and how they work together. But unlike in the office, this one, Stephen Crowley, who's the general um, of Space Force over Space Force, he seems like he's the the sane one in the middle of everyone else's crazy. 
Um, but some crazy stuff happens to him. Uh, one of the funniest parts that was a little, this, just a small snippet of one of the episodes was he's having issues with kidney stones and they find him like in horrible pain in that stairwell and they get him to the doctor and the doctor is going to, you know, send something up in his uh, ureter to try to break this kidney stone up. Well, they can't see what's happening on the screen because they've got, of course, a camera on what they're doing. And so he gets one of his other guys to hold his phone up to the screen and they're trying to broadcast it over to the other guy's phone so Stephen Carell's character can see it. But he's like, I'm not getting it on my end. He's like, well, I, I clicked the button and it's being broadcast to every TV on the base. <laughs> the full sound and video. <laughs> which is pretty funny. Um, so check out Space Force. So I googled uh, Tom McDonald. Yeah. And the one of his videos, I was like, oh, that looks familiar. And one of my friends had sent me that video of him oh. today, like two Which hours ago. Uh, in God We Trust. Oh, that's a really good one. Yeah. But I didn't I hadn't listened to it. Spot. I hadn't listened to it yet. But oh. I was like, that looks familiar. Um, I also watched F9 this week. I don't think it was quite my cup of tea. But <laughs> it, yeah, they there were some characters that were they brought in, and I don't know if it's just if this is the last one. So they were like, we're just going to bring every single person that's ever been in a Fast and Furious movie back. They haven't in. ended up on the moon yet, so they can't stop. They have to get to Fast and Furious 14, like my movie poster I made. Uh. <laughs> Well, they got close. (laughs) Yeah. They get into space. Yes. (laughs) So they did Uh, make it. Because, you know, you have to have the the physics just right in order to do that. And they figured it out. (laughs) Yeah, space station. Um, They're still in stereos, apparently, from semi-trucks. Yeah, (laughs) DVD players or VHS players or whatever it was back then. Um, and race wars out in the desert. Yeah. Uh, and then I read the new Gray Man book, Sierra Six. Ooh. Uh, finished that. It was very good. It was basically two novels that just jumped back and forth, and they were tied together. Um, there one took place 12 years before and then one was present day and oh, so it explained the 12 years before explained um basically how uh court became sierra six and his introduction to the um goon squad and then the present day one he ends up getting tied into something that related back to his old mission back when he started. It was very good. I I need to take a break from Wheel of Time once I can slog my way to the end of book nine. I need to take (laughs) a break. I think I'm getting burned out on it. Uh Yeah, it's amazing. So that, just that genre of books, you know, they're, most of them are pretty good. They're entertaining. And I just read uh, The Terminal List. 
by Jack Carr, which is going to be a movie, I think, with Chris Pratt. Huh. Um, but it was his first book, and it was good. But after reading that and going and reading uh, another Jack Reacher book and then a, another gray man book that they you know those authors have been doing this for a long time <laughs> yeah i was like oh my gosh yeah these guys are way better writers um yeah well practice so. makes better writers i think i am going to read more of the terminal list series i think there's five books so far but um i think i'm sure he gets better writing and it wasn't bad it just was not as good as lee child and uh <laughs> whatever his name is that's all I've got. So now we talk about nerd cred. So in talking about the F9 show, so I made a post on Facebook about, you know, I, I learned that cars are basically pillows. And I worried that people might not understand what I was talking about. So <clears throat> I tried to find some GIFs of the movie that showed the times when he used you know, cars to soften people's landing. And, and I ended up going to a website. I think it was makeagif.com. I can't remember. I tried several till I found one that would work. And it lets you bring in YouTube videos. Oh, and then cool. you can, you know, pare them down to just what you want to be in the GIF. And so I was able to find <clears throat> YouTube videos that showed two specific scenes where the cars were used as pillows. <laughs> and so I put those into the comments on my Facebook post. <laughs> nice. So that's probably the nerdiest thing I did this week was <laughs> create my own gifts <laughs> to explain my joke. <laughs> so my wife bought, or she thought she's buying like a, a notepad that had like an elastic thing to keep it closed. And she thought mm -hmm. it was bigger than it was. So it came and it was only, I don't know, maybe four inches by five inches. And she got two of them. So she asked if I wanted them. So I took one. And it has a little loop, elastic loop on the side to put like a running implement in it. But my pen tells, if you stick it in there and then put it in your pocket, I'm worried I'm going to break the nib because it's a little bit too long mm. to be protected by the notebook. So I had a brilliant idea. I'm going to modify a P207 going to cut out like three quarters of the the barrel to make it shorter oh i flew one of those when little nanny goes to war let's <laughs> tell my wife about this and i was like and i think i need to go buy a new one because i don't think i can uh cut one of my pencils i know already in half or apart and she's like it's because you're emotionally attached to them already right i don't think you're doing well yeah and once you good. name them it's really easy right. to get emotionally attached to them it really is and yeah, so 
she thought that was funny. I'm glad I made her. I, I got her to laugh, so that was good because she's apropos. She's dealing with kidney stones again, and it's not fun for her. I mean, I understand it's her fun for you. Having fun is, it's oh. not fun for me either, but it's more <laughs> not fun for her. Oh, but we spent five and a half hours in the hospital yesterday afternoon. Ooh, sucked because it's a tiny little room that didn't even have a TV in it. That's not good. No, so I'm going to modify one. I'm going to cut part of the middle out and hopefully be able to reattach it together and make it shorter. So I'll keep you posted. Once I do it, maybe I'll, I'll post uh, maybe like a video of me doing it. It'll be a fun YouTube video. Yeah, we put it on our channel. <laughs> we have a channel still, right? Yeah, I think so. Okay. <laughs> Uh, if I market it right, we can get like a good viral, and then we can I can make some money. Hmm, interesting. Probably not. But. <laughs> uh, I don't have any nerd cred other than I listened to the Joe Rogan interview with Mr. Beast, who's the oh, number one say, yeah. YouTube uh, person. Yeah. yeah, and it was very interesting. Was it okay? Uh, I'll check it out. He comes off a lot of times in a manner that I am like, I don't like this person, (laughs) but then he redeems himself every time. Like he's a genuinely good, nice person, but he just kind of, I think is a little out of touch with reality because his entire life has been YouTube. Mm. He started a YouTube channel when he was 11 and he's 23 now. (laughs) Wow. But yeah, it's so he doesn't understand the real world or know what's going on in the real world. Yeah, I bet Joe would be a good person to interview that. So he, yeah, he pulled a lot of out of from him about stuff. But awesome. yeah, he's it's um, interesting. <laughs> Check it out. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've ever seen any videos made by him. So. I, just the oh, thumbnails. I, I was like, he looks that those look annoying. They are. <laughs> I watched some of them. Like, why am I watching this? Yeah, I don't think I could. Then he watched another it. one. You're like, oh, this look this one again. But he had they recreated the Squid Games with real people. They spent four million dollars doing that. <laughs> and he's like, eh, we might break even eventually. And it has two hundred and twenty million views or something on YouTube. He's like, Netflix has 220 million subscribers, and we had 220 million people watch this video on YouTube. <laughs> wow. All right, That's well, if you want to watch us on YouTube, um, send an email to engineerdyshow at gmail.com. Um, you could probably just watch one of our old YouTube videos. <laughs> Please when don't. We used, when we used to do that. <laughs> Hey, you weren't on them, so. <laughs> um, you can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Um, just search for Ingenuity Show. Uh, for an ad-free version of the show or to buy an Ingenuity Show t-shirt, listen at theingenuityshow.com. Thank you for listening. Um, live long and nerdy. <laughs> you have been and always shall be my friends. Bye. So you can't just say 
just had a complete you know block i had no idea what i was going to say most guitars are made of trees with some metal for the strings and some frets and tuny things most guitars are made of trees most guitars are made of trees people play them while they sing some are dull and some just ring most guitars are made of trees song most guitars are made of trees is by greg gibbs waiting on a tax return hopefully it ends up in your hands fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30 percent in 2023 if you're in a bind this tax season lifelock can help our u.s-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues and all lifelock plans are backed by the million dollar protection package so we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.